Hi, and welcome to Off the Clock, Tompkins Wake's podcast, giving you practical guidance about business and the law. I'm Catherine Bryant, Special Counsel in Charge of Knowledge Management, and you've joined us for our Practical Business podcast series. And we're looking at this series at how to build and strengthen business resilience when times are tough economically. So in today's episode, we're looking at how do you tell when your business needs expert help and what might that help look like? Today, I'm joined by Tom Orielli, partner at Tompkins Wake, who's the head of the insolvency and restructuring team, and by Connor McElhenney, who's a partner at McGrath Nickel with significant experience in restructuring businesses in trouble. So in our first podcast episode, we talked about what happens when there's an economic slowdown and what you can do to help your business respond. Connor, today we're looking at how do you know that your business is in trouble? What are the signs you should be looking out for? Sure. And I think it's probably worthwhile to talk about the signs that you might see in your customers' businesses or your suppliers' businesses too, because risk external to your business is just as much of an issue as risk internal to your business. That's a great point. The sorts of things you should be looking for are pretty obvious things. Falling revenue, are your customers not wanting your products or services anymore, or is it a macroeconomic issue? Falling margins, so your gross margins, are you not passing on what's happening right now the substantial labour and material cost inflation in the market? And are you not passing that on either because the market is too competitive so you can't lift your prices or because you haven't noticed that your costs have gone up? A lot of businesses in New Zealand, unfortunately, don't produce regular accounts uh, and they may not notice that they're performing unprofitably until months after the fact. You could also, and this is something we see very, very common in distressed businesses, you could also have arrears. You might not have been paying your creditors or the IRD on time. And almost all distressed businesses have some form of what we call creditor stretching. So you haven't been paying those bills as they've been falling due. And in particular, IRD has been used as a bank over the last couple of years by a lot of businesses in New Zealand. They have been surprisingly accommodating. So opportunities to enter into repayment plans are there. But that patience will eventually run out, both with the IRD and with creditors. You know, eventually, you're going to be at risk of being placed on cash on delivery or stop credit. Uh, you're going to be at worst at risk of receiving a statutory demand from one of your creditors. And then probably the last thing I would say is keeping an eye on your overdraft. Constant overdraft excesses are another very, very common sign uh, that we see of your business being in trouble. Tom, would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I agree with uh, all of those points. There's probably a few more that I can add to that. Often where there's a need for a covenant uh, waiver from a lender, that can be a real sign of, of distress. Um, Tom, this can is, you just expand a little bit more on what a covenant waiver might mean for yeah, those absolutely. who don't so, the term? So most financial agreements with uh, banks and, and other lenders have obligations that the borrower has to meet. These can be financial obligations around how they, um, you know, what sort of margins they have to have with respect to interest cover, with respect to profit and so on. But they can also be um, legal covenants around how they deal with their assets and so on. And so these are effectively obligations to the bank where a business is struggling with their covenants because they're not as profitable, they're not able to cover their interest as easily. That'll be a covenant breach, which then requires them to typically obtain a waiver from their bank in the first place. And uh, if the bank is not prepared to waive that breach, then there is a risk of default there. So covenant waivers is is a sign of, of distress. 
Another one is where a business um, is seeking a refinancing, but the incumbent lender is not being asked to put a proposal forward. That um, can be a sign. And you've got to ask the question, why has the relationship with the existing lender soured? And that's something that a, a bank pitching for the for the business will typically be cognizant of. Another sign of distress is if there's a dispute with suppliers, customers, shareholders. Now, Everyone has disputes from time to time. That is not in and of itself a sign of distress, but it can be, particularly where it's a very large dispute that can actually have a significant impact on one or or more parties to that dispute. And I think the final point that I would make is um, where there's a company that has its accounts audited suddenly changes their auditor. That can also ring some alarm bells. You know, the question has to be asked, is that because the auditor is not prepared to um, sign off that the company is a going concern or is there another reason? So some good things to watch out for when you're dealing with other businesses as well as signs to watch out for in your own business. Connor, I'm sure that both you and Tom are well aware that businesses are often reluctant to acknowledge when they're in trouble. You know, they often like to think that things are going to get better, it's temporary, or maybe, you know, it's taken them a little while to realise that things are actually looking a little bit bleak. But why is time so important for a struggling business? Why do you not want to put your head in the sand? Yeah, well, look, time is probably the most critical factor in successfully turning around a distressed business. Um, The earlier you seek advice, the more options there are to actually save the business. Um, It takes both time and capital to turn around a business, and so you really don't want to leave it too late. You also want to avoid getting to a point where the patience of your creditors has run out and you don't really have an option at that stage. So many companies we've worked with say they wish they've sought expert advice earlier. The earlier you get that advice, the better. You've also got to be mindful of your duties as a director of a company, and you want to obviously mitigate the risk of reckless trading. If you carry on for too long while the company is is hurting, then you do start to fall into that twilight zone where reckless trading can become an issue, and it puts you potentially at risk. Yeah, and if anyone wants to know more about you know the risks that they potentially face as a director when business is down, check out episode two of the podcast where we focus specifically on director's duties and how to protect yourself as a director. But Connor, coming back to you know the time issue, is that what you've seen as well, that the sooner a business comes to you, the easier it is to help them pull the business back together? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you need to get in early because the options do diminish over time. And we actually went back and looked at the referrals that McGranical had had of distressed businesses over a three-year period. And we found that, you know, about 80% of those businesses were able to save, but 20% of them failed. You know, 20% of them we couldn't save. That's pretty good odds, Connor. (laughs) Yeah. But of those 20%, two-thirds had simply run out of cash. There was no cash to pay wages or critical suppliers like fuel if you're in a particular industry that you're tracking or logging or rent for the next month. And if you can't actually pay those kinds of critical suppliers, your staff aren't going to turn up and you won't have fuel in your machines to run. So there is no business to save if you've literally run out of every dollar of cash and there are no new sources of capital to solve that gap. And it's really distressing when we are brought to businesses too late and we've seen shareholders put in all of their money from their personal house, sell their rental properties, sell their holiday homes and pile everything into this business over a two or three year period and then eventually get advice when 
there isn't anything left when the larder is now bare. And unfortunately, at that time, it's too late and there aren't any options and you do have to unfortunately go into insolvency. You know, it is really the only option when you when you run out of cash altogether. The other um, third of businesses, so two thirds of them that, that failed were simply there was no cash. The other third was uh, fraud. So there wasn't actually a business to save in those instances. And a couple of examples of that were the retailers, um, Valley Girl and Tempt and, uh, and Andrea Moore, where you know they were reporting stock that existed that didn't exist at the end. So, uh, yeah, difficult to build a viable business when you don't have anything to sell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, the sooner you come in, the better and talk to an expert. But which expert should you talk to first? Do you go straight to a restructuring expert or should you talk to someone else before that? It probably pays to first talk to your lawyer because often um, people won't necessarily know what to do in those situations and they won't have relationships with insolvency experts. They'll have relationships with their lawyers or their accountants and so on. So it probably pays in the first instance to go and talk to your lawyer and they'll be able to advise on your duties as a director, firstly. They'll be able to assist you with responding to statutory demands, covenant breaches or whatever is causing you immediate distress. And then they'll be able to lay out some options for you in terms of who you should be talking to next. Um, and I think the next, you know, we have very close relationships with McGrath Nickel and we understand the insolvency market and we can certainly point you in the right direction as to which insolvency specialist you go, you should go and see. Because not all insolvency specialists are created equal, are there? There's a, a wide variation in quality and you want to get a trusted recommendation. Absolutely. I mean, we've worked with a variety of insolvency specialists over the years and like anything else, um, there's good ones and there's not so good ones. And certainly having worked with Con and his team, we've got um, a lot of faith in, in what they do and, and their abilities. And the statistics obviously back that up, Connor. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I would agree with Tom that in the first instance, you definitely should be reaching out to your lawyer. They're the most likely to be able to help you with that immediate issue and they know about, as Tom said, the various players in the market, including our competitors and, and who to refer you to to help with that. You know, it's likely that you're going to need to talk to a restructuring or turnaround expert at some point. Um, you know, it's a very specialist skill set. Your regular accountant is unlikely to have that skill set. So it's, it's important to ask your lawyer to refer you to a trusted expert. Ideally, you're going to speak with them as soon as possible as well, as we've already talked about. Options diminish over time. So getting early advice is, is absolutely crucial. So when the business is struggling, does it mean that insolvency is the only option? You know, can you turn around a business that's struggling? Yeah, absolutely you can. And as we talked about the statistics before, in 80% of cases, we do turn around those businesses, some of them quite spectacularly. Yeah, because I think that there's a, a view out there that once you start to talk to someone like McGrath Nicole, that there's no hope and it's just a question of, you know, saving what you can. But that's not the case, is it? No, and it's an unfortunate circumstance that all of the formal insolvency work we do, you know, the big appointments over things like CBL insurance and Feltex and Pumpkin Patch and Dick Smith is so public that that's what the public sees and associates McGranicle with. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, the majority of the work we do is is an advisory and it's an in turning around businesses, helping with strategy and business improvement and saving those businesses. But you don't see that in the media. So unfortunately, you do get this skewed view that uh, once you speak to somebody like us, it's all over. Um, but don't worry, the statistics show that that's not the case. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of options available to turn around a business. There's simply improving the performance and trading out if it's a, a relatively obvious issue that's that's causing them 
uh, the difficulty, but the most common non-insolvency option that we see for restructuring a business is fixing whatever the issue is that's causing distress, coupled with what we would call an informal creditor compromise. So that means going in and finding out why the business is in the position that it's in, fixing that specific cause, and then negotiating time with your creditors to repay them over time and perhaps less than they're even owed. You know, it may be that they agree to say, well, yes, we'll take a 20%, 30% haircut on what we're actually owed in order to support this business and have a customer going forward. So they may lose their profit margins on what they've supplied, but still get back their cost on what they've supplied. You know, this could be assisting a company to negotiate an exit from an onerous contract. And we did that most recently with a with a large infrastructure business that had one of those contracts that would have brought it down. We negotiated them out of that. In the recent insolvency of Armstrong Downs, the construction company down in Wellington, they had an advisor attempting to do the same thing. You know, they were in a number of fixed price contracts that couldn't be delivered profitably. And consequently, they had an advisor attempting to try to negotiate out of those. It didn't work, unfortunately. And so, as you know, they're in liquidation. You can also hand back surplus plant and equipment to lessors and negotiate reduced termination payments on those leases. You can reduce labour costs, of course, by doing an employee restructure. And at 3.2% unemployment, those employees, although you've had them for many, many years or decades in your business, will find other work. And if you want to know more about how to uh, work with your employees when you're in a a tough situation with your business, then we're going to be talking about that in uh, a later podcast. So tune in for that. Great. And the other things you can do, of course, is get a repayment holiday from your bank. So you may move to interest only or even payment in kind interest for a period of time. Uh, You could sell down non-performing assets. You could set up a repayment plan with the IRD. As I mentioned before, the IRD is historically in a position today where it is being more accommodative than we've ever seen. So you can set up some pretty amazing repayment plans uh, with the IRD today. Another great tool, if the informal one isn't going to be sufficient, is what we call a formal creditors compromise. And that's a tool that's actually set out under the Companies Act. And that tool is a restructuring plan which is developed with the business, its restructuring expert, and its lawyer, importantly, to draft the documentation. And it's binding on all the creditors. So whoever the proposal is given to, you need half in number and at least 75% in value of them to vote in favour of that. And anybody who voted against in that 25% in value or 50% in number, they are compelled to comply with that compromise too. And that was used to save Max Fashions, uh, the women's wear retailer, in uh, post-COVID 2020, and was used to restructure uh, Burger King as well. So it's a great tool that is not really well known in New Zealand, but very powerful in terms of of saving a business that has a specific issue that can be resolved through that compromise. Mm. And Tom, have you seen many creditors' compromises coming through? We have um, worked on a number of creditors' compromises historically. They are a very useful tool, as, as Connor has said, and uh, they can certainly buy time to help restructure a business and a business that is worth saving. But the key thing will obviously be to get the support of creditors. You've got to put a plan in place that's um, realistic, that is attractive to creditors, and that they feel is credible. If you put a plan to them that they don't feel is credible, you just simply won't get the level of support and things will go downhill from there. So it's very important to get that plan right, that proposal right. Another option which... um, we have been involved with as a voluntary administration. 
which has added protections, uh, including a moratorium on on creditor enforcement, which helps to buy a little bit of time to restructure. And that's actually um, McGrath, Nicol and us uh, worked together on a voluntary administration recently, which uh, was very successful and saw creditors all being repaid their debts. So that can be used as a, as a pretty good tool as well. And do you find that creditors can usually see that some form of putting the business back together is going to give them a better option than liquidating the business and picking up the pieces? Yeah, in almost all cases, absolutely. You know, creditors aren't there to cut off their nose in spite of their face. And so generally, if you present transparent information and give them all the information to make an informed decision, they'll come to the right decision. There are occasionally creditors who have a different motive who may not support whatever the proposal is. But that's the great thing about both the creditors' compromise and the voluntary administration is that you don't need 100% of people to support. You can drag along these specific dissenting, irrational people by having the majority who are rational voting in support of a proposal. So obviously it sounds like there are a lot of options provided that you get in early. However, I think a lot of businesses, they feel really embarrassed to talk about, you know, when they're in financial difficulty. But when we look at these options that you're putting forward, there's got to be a lot of communication with creditors, with employees, you know, with everybody. Why is communication so important if your business is struggling? Well, I think we've just uh, partially touched on that in regard to creditors, but I can say that communication with key stakeholders is absolutely critical in order to get their buy-in. At the end of the day, if you don't have the support, you can lose control. A bank can appoint a receiver, so can a supply in some cases. Creditors can apply to have your company liquidated. You really have to front foot this and make sure you communicate with your stakeholders, even if it is embarrassing for you. The other point to make is that um, if there are rumors around the market that um, your company is struggling, you might find that staff start to resign. They look for other work. You've got customers or suppliers that are reluctant to actually deal with you because of these rumors. So um, you want to make sure that you're driving the narrative that people aren't influenced by rumors in the market and they're actually being upfront about where you are with things. And actually being upfront and honest is probably the best way of getting buy-in because people can see that you're actually genuine. Is that what you found as well, Connor? Yeah, absolutely. You know, New Zealand is a very small, very closely knit community. And so consequently, things have a habit of getting out. Uh, there are always rumours in the New Zealand market about various different things. So it is, as Tom said, very important to control the narrative when and who knows what. You know, Your lawyer and your structuring advisor can help with that process too to make sure that you do bring everybody along for the journey and get the right outcome rather than having matters taken out of your own hands. And I imagine that if creditors or banks or, you know, employees see that you've called in the cavalry to help you you fix the business, that they're more likely to see it as a viable option than if you're trying to go it alone with your head in the sand. Absolutely. And you can also helpfully over the last couple of years, blame the big bogeyman of COVID. <laughs> so it gives you a nice easy out. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, no one's going to thank you if you come to them too late. I think particularly with your bankers, our experience is that you are better off to go and see them when there is trouble on the horizon. They don't appreciate being told late that you're in trouble. And I think you'll uh, find them being far more sympathetic and helpful if they know early on that you're facing some issues. Later on, they're not going to be that helpful because they simply will have lost trust in you. Then you've got far fewer options. 
Yeah, we see that all the time as well. One of the worst things you can do is keep providing forecasts to your bank that you don't meet. It's much better to under-promise and over-deliver, even if that forecast doesn't actually show a positive or a rosy picture. So long as you've got a strategy and a plan that you can present to show how you're going to turn around your business and how it's going to prove in the future, you're better to actually show the reality now and meet that so that you gain the trust of the bank than continue to over-promise and under-deliver. So communication, meeting expectations. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Connor. So everyone, obviously, if your business is struggling, don't put your head in the sand, get onto it straight away, talk to an expert and be open and honest. And that's the best way to pull your business out of it. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. All right, this is Off The Clock. Thank you. Thank you.